In Jesus' famous sermon called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, the disciples asked him, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered that question in that sermon. And Daniel 12 delves into that question as well. We'll learn about the end of the age today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Daniel did not have the book of Revelation. You do. Daniel's penning the book of Daniel right now. He did not have the revelation. He did not have the full 66 books of the Bible. You do. Daniel has not seen the return of Israel to the land, at least in 1948, and capturing Jerusalem in 1967. You have. In fact, I would tell you that uh, even commentators prior to 1948, before Israel became a nation, many commentators were trying to spiritualize a lot of this stuff because they couldn't see how it could happen because Israel wasn't even back in the land. How could there be a rebuilt temple? How could there be an antichrist going into the temple, proclaiming himself to be God? There's no temple. They're not even in the land. So knowledge has increased. We've been given more. And to much is given, much is required. And so in our generation, we have... We have a lot of prophecy experts. We have prophecy conferences. We have all this stuff that goes on. And knowledge of the prophetic end times eschatology study, like a formal study of eschatology, which is a study of the last days, really has come into vogue, you know, more recently. It's not something that was always there in a formal teaching where you could go maybe into a classroom and study the end times, but now you can. Uh, I'm amazed at how much is available at our fingertips and resources uh, to, to, as in study tools. When I first started preaching, I had, you know, the college uh, notebook paper, and I would even write my cross-references by hand because I didn't have a Bible program. I didn't have the, you know, some of you just go to the blue letter Bible. Now you can look at Hebrew and Greek. Well, years ago, if you wanted to look at Hebrew and Greek, you had something called the Strong's Concordance. How many of you remember the Strong's Concordance? It was a book about that thick. <laughs> and what you did is you had to look up the Strong's number to match the word that you were trying to figure out. And the type was so small in this book that people who didn't even need readers needed readers. <laughs> That's how you did it. But now, you can look up Hebrew and Greek words. You, can, you have these you know, parallel versions of the Bible where you can look at multiple versions. You can have a, a Greek you know, version of the Bible right next to the English. There's all kinds of stuff available at your fingertips. And so, you could say that the knowledge here has increased. That is, of understanding these prophecies. So the original document, uh, Daniel is instructed to shut up or seal up the words until the end, verse 4. Frank Gabeline's comments are most helpful. He says, in the ancient Near East, important documents such as contracts, promissory notes, deeds of conveyance were written out in duplicate. The original document was kept in a secure repository safe closed up from uh, later tampering. 
in order to conserve the interests and rights of all parties in the transaction. Ryrie, making the following comment on this verse, says this. He says, not that its meaning was to be left unexplained, but that the book was to be kept intact so as to help those living in the future or in Daniel's 70th week or at the end of time. Even Daniel didn't understand these things as we'll see. The new annotated study Bible comes closer to the truth, says one author, when it comments on the text in this way. It was impossible to understand the significance of these prophecies in Daniel's own day. But God indicated that at the time of the end, many would seek to understand these predictions and to be able to do so. The command to Daniel to shut up the words referring to his book meant to keep it safe for the appropriate time. You all know that the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in Israel and documents were preserved for, uh, what, a thousand years or more and it allowed us to tap into documents that were preserved. And so maybe that kind of idea is here. So running to and fro in Hebrew has the idea of a person searching for something and that is searching for knowledge. And uh, imagine... If you were to enter into these times and uh, let's say that your pastor was going through Philippians and let's just say that you started to see some signs of the end like uh, maybe an antichrist figure. Would you tell your pastor, hey pastor, we might want to redirect and study the book of Daniel. Amen? We might want to redirect and study Revelation because... We have access to these prophecies. And this could and would and will become a guidebook for a generation to come because they'll be able to read it and know how to navigate the times. It will become all important to someone who may be facing these times. And we know there's certain Jewish people that are going to face these times and possibly even uh, the saints. And so that's where this is going to be huge. So many will go to and fro, back and forth. Knowledge will increase. I pray that that's true of us, that our eyes are going to and fro on the scriptures, that we're drinking in the word of God as much as possible. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others, these are angels, were standing, verse five, one on this bank of the river, this is the Tigris we saw earlier in chapter 10. And the other on the bank of the river, so they're each on opposite shores. And the one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, he's a third person here now, person in quotes, how long will it be until the end of these wonders? The angel didn't even know. The angel says to the one dressed in linen, okay, well, how long will it be? I mean, that is the crucial question, right? If this is what's going to happen, how long will it be till the end? What's going to be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And this man dressed in linen who's above the waters seems to have the answers. The angels don't even know the time of all of this, but the one dressed in linen does. He's above the river, the Tigris here, and angels are on opposite shores. And it makes me think of, and take this for what it's worth, it makes me think of the Ark of the Covenant. Because in the Ark of the Covenant, the, the chest that held the Ten Commandments that was uh, 
Moses was given instructions to build it. Remember, if you saw Indiana Jones, you've seen it before. You have the angel's wings touching over the box. And above the angel's wings is called the mercy seat. So you have two angels on two opposite sides of the river. And this man dressed in linen, which we've identified, we believe is Jesus, above the two angels. And Jesus Christ, according to Romans 3.25, is our mercy seat. He's above the river, above the issues of life. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming again and he will judge the world. And just like he was over the river, the Nile, if you will, he was over the sea, the Red Sea. So he is over the Tigris. He's over the nations of the world. All the nations are like a drop in the bucket to him. He, he is God over everything. Maybe that's the message here. But it also points, I believe, to his deity. Daniel is still observing the scene by the side of the river. You can write down chapter 10, verse 4. And so one angel says to the one dressed in linen, how long? How long will it be until the end of these wonders, these things that occur? This is Psalm 80, verses 1 through 3. It says, O give ear, shepherd of Israel, thou who does lead Joseph like a flock, Thou who art enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your power and come to save us. O God, restore us and cause thy face to shine upon us and we will be saved. The message, the Lord is over the waters. The Lord is over the seas. The Lord is over the peoples. The Lord is over your problems. The Lord is over everything. And we have a God of mercy. We have the mercy seat. And he's going to intervene. And he's going to save his people again. He saved them out of the land of Egypt. He's rescued them out of multiple dangers. And he will do it again. I'll see you do it again. Verse 7. And I heard the man dressed in linen. We believe this is Jesus now. Who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever that it would be, the question, how long? The answer, for a time, times, and a half a time. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know that that's what? Three and a half years, 1260 days. Now we get the answer. How long is this going to be? How long is this going to go on? It's going to happen for three and a half years. Now from Daniel 9.27, we learn that at the three and a half year point, halfway between the last seven years, that's Daniel's 70th week, what's going to happen? We're going to have something called the abomination that causes desolation. This is going to spark the great tribulation and the Antichrist is going to claim that he's some sort of God and that he wants worship. At that time, it'll be the abomination that causes desolation. Luke 21 tells us that Israel will be surrounded by armies. We have all of these kind of pieces that we start to put together. And we have the second three and a half years, which we, we believe is the great tribulation there. And that time, as soon as they have finished, it will be, notice, end of seven shattering the power of the holy people 
all these events will be completed. Now the holy people, I believe, still in context is Israel, and their power will be shattered. The Antichrist is going to be allowed. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first. Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Now from Daniel 9.27 we learn that at the three and a half year point, halfway between the last seven years, that's Daniel's 70th week, what's going to happen? We're going to have something called the abomination that causes desolation. This is going to spark the great tribulation and the Antichrist is going to claim that he's some sort of God and that he wants worship. At that time, it'll be the abomination that causes desolation. Luke 21 tells us that Israel will be surrounded by armies. We have all of these kind of pieces that we start to put together. And we have the second three and a half years, which we, we believe is the great tribulation there and that time, as soon as they have finished, it will be, notice end of seven, shattering the power of the holy people. All these events will be completed. Now the holy people, I believe, still in context is Israel, and their power will be shattered. The Antichrist is going to be allowed to have some domination for a time. It will be given to him to shatter the power of thy holy people. Why? Because it seems to be their power <laughs> that needs to be shattered. Their self-reliance. Do you know right now, and you have to be impressed, you go to Israel today, man, they are such an incredibly self-reliant people. One of the things that you can do when you go to Israel is you go to Masada, and in Masada, or on Masada, and you actually take a trolley car and it takes you all the way up to the top of Masada. And there they tell the story of a group of Jewish people who committed mass suicide as the Romans were coming up the backside of Masada to try to destroy them. And they committed mass suicide, but up there on top of the mountain is where, and everybody, by the way, serves at least two years of military service in Israel. It doesn't matter, male or female, you serve, you're going to be serving in the military. And you go up there and you make a commitment on top of Masada. And here's essentially what they say. Never again. And what they mean, my understanding, is that they will never allow the Holocaust to happen again as it happened at the hands of Nazi Germany. They will never allow it again. That's why you're even hearing today as Hamas and uh, they fire rockets into Israel, Israel's always responding in kind or in like, and it's, it can be very hard because we have Palestinians who are Christians in Israel. Uh, when we were in Israel, our guide was a Palestinian Christian. Our tour guide was a Palestinian believer. 
So the issues can be very complicated because we know we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we know uh, I will bless those who bless you and we know those verses, but we have brothers and sisters who are actually Palestinian believers in Jesus Christ. And so this is where it's hard. But here's what happens. They get peppered with rockets and Israel has the, uh, that defense system, what's it called, the Iron Dome defense system and, and then they fire back and then you know there's blame and stuff going back and forth and this, this, is, this is what's going on and at some point in this unfolding of time, the power of thy holy people is gonna be shattered. It's going to be overcome. They're going to have to rely upon God's power and not theirs. It's not a bad place to be, but it's a very uncomfortable place to be. Paul said, I had the thorn in my flesh and I prayed three times that the Lord would remove it. And the Lord said, no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in what? In weakness. It's the power of weakness. So contra everything that we learn in our world, right? About self-reliance and all of that stuff. And so the power of thy holy people will be shattered. The, uh, just for your notes, write down Revelation 10, 4 through 6, where you'll see another picture of Jesus uh, who is raising his hands. And I believe uh, there it may say, well, let's go over there. Tell you what, hold your place. Go over to Revelation 10. Let me show you this comparison and then I want to make an application that I hope will warm your heart. This is Revelation 10. Look at verse 4. Revelation 10, 4 says, When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it. God made everything, not evolution, not a big bang. God made it. And there shall be a delay no longer. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. You see, it will be at this time when there will be, verse 6, Revelation 10, no more delay. The angel raises his right hand. Here in Daniel, it's both hands being raised to heaven and there's language of an oath. Go back to Daniel 12, 7, look at it again. It says, he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever. What do you think in oath language the, the oath was? I think it's something like this. This is going to happen and I am going to be true to my word because this is where we need assurance because we look at things sometimes and we have questions as Christians, right? Where is this world headed? Is the book of Revelation really gonna come to pass? Is the book of Daniel really gonna come to pass? And right here in the midst of the final chapter, if you will, 
the, the one above the waters raises up his hands in oath type of positioning and language and swears by him who lives forever and ever and essentially says, yes, you can take this to the bank. It is true. This will come to pass. And if you're reading this and you're living in the end times and you see that, you're, you take heart because you've anchored your whole life and your future in this being reality. And you get a word of promise here, an oath. God can swear by nobody higher, so he swears by himself. This is gonna happen. There's gonna be a three and a half year time that's gonna be very hard. It's gonna shatter the power of thy holy people. Verse eight. As for me, Daniel says, Daniel 12, 8, I heard but could not understand, so I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? What's going to happen to my people? Daniel might say something like this. If the power of my people is going to be shattered, if my people are going to be broken, how does the story end? Will the Antichrist win? Will darkness prevail? I mean, isn't that really the, the history of every story? Every good story is a battle between good and evil, right? And sometimes when you're engrossed in a movie about good and evil, and I can't help but think of the Lord of the Rings movies when, remember Gandalf is out on the ledge and those terrible armies are coming of, what is it, the, the org? Are they the orcs, those ugly dudes? And it, <laughs> They're coming. It's <laughs> kind of scary looking beasts, man. And these, you know, short little hobbits <laughs> trying to even look over the wall. I'm afraid. What's going to happen? Nobody would choose to live in a time like this. But this is the time, Gandalf says, paraphrasing, that you've been placed in. So, stand your ground. Be of good cheer. We know how the story ends. Some of us have had to face that at cemeteries. We see there's a hole in the ground and there's a loved one's body that's gone there and we say, Jesus said I'm the resurrection and the life, but am I gonna see that person again? Are they really gonna rise or is this the end of the story? Does death win? Does death have the final say? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't. I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say, I'll teach you about it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question, do you believe this? Apparently, God puts a high value on faith. What's going to happen to my people? You know, you, you look at the culture right now, you look at society, and you begin to ask some big questions. You look at the church, and you, you know, there's people who say, is the church being salt and light? Is the light of the church waning in our culture? Is the secular humanistic message winning the day? You look at college campuses, you look at what's happened to our world and you can ask those questions. And an oath is made, I think, to give us hope. 
And he said, go your way, Daniel, verse 9. For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. They are locked up in the vault of God's omnipotence and God's sovereignty. Essentially, don't worry about it now, Daniel. The words, words are sealed up. It's going to be for a future time. It's going to be for the time of the end. The message will be of the utmost important for that, importance for that time, but not now. The primary purpose of Revelation was to inform those who live in the time of the end. And so look at verse 9. Daniel, you go your way. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he won't what? Depart from it. Daniel, go your way. Thanks for listening to the teaching in Daniel chapter 12, The End of the Age. Hey, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to Walk in Truth and for your support. One way that you can support our radio ministry is by purchasing some of the products we have at walkintruth.com. You've been hearing about one of the products that we have on the website, a DVD teaching called The Origins of Christmas. Since we're in that joyful season, this DVD taught by friend and assistant pastor, Coach Chris Van Hook, answers some of the great questions you might have about how Christmas came to be. Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? A lot of questions will be answered, so visit walkintruth.com to get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD. Again, I want to say thanks so much for listening and join us next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.